Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a special live episode of the Elisa Childers podcast. Every once in a while, I like to have a past guest come on and do a Q&A, especially the guests who have episodes that I received a lot of questions about. And so many of you may remember my interview with Jack Marino, who told her story of coming out of the occult and being saved into Christianity, being saved by Jesus. And her story is so, so powerful. And so I'm thrilled to invite Jack to come on with me tonight and to answer all your questions. We're going to do a live Q&A. Jack, welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Well, I'm glad, and I'm so glad you agreed to come back. Um, my, actually, my episode with you is one of my most popular ones of all the episodes I've ever done. People really found your story to be compelling and really powerful. And I just want to say that tonight is primarily going to be a Q&A. So if you all have questions for Jack, uh, you can put them into the comment, both on Facebook and on YouTube. And just please write the word question in all caps so that we can scroll through and find your questions really easily. But Jack, for anyone who maybe missed the episode where you told your story, can you just give us a, a short flyover of how Jesus saved you and uh, what that story looks like? Yes. Well, um, I was raised Christian. At least I thought that I was, but realistically, I didn't have a biblical view of who, who Jesus is. And so I went through some sexual abuse and just some other hard things in my life and ended up turning to substances and ultimately ended up turning to the occult and just idolatry and sorcery to try to control my own reality, to try to make sense of what had happened to me, try to deal with my sin. And um, I ended up joining the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and practicing ritual magic. And the Lord radically saved me out of just serious addiction and um, the occult. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful to be here today and talk about just how amazing Jesus is and how no one's too far gone for him to save. I love that. And I wanted to ask you, Jack, um, you know, I mentioned that I had a lot of people email in with questions, further questions, lots of people who maybe have loved ones or family members who are tempted by the occult, might be going into the occult. And I I wanted to know from you, what, what's been the response on your side of things? How have people, uh, have you gotten a lot of emails or what, what's been the general response? Um, the people that have reached out to me just a lot of them are just coming out of the occult or the new age. They realize that it didn't have the answers and it couldn't save them. And so it's just been such a blessing. I have such a heart for people in that situation because it's so familiar to me. Um, and it's been a joy to come alongside them and just point them to the truth and to God's word. So I've deeply um, enjoyed sharing Jesus. 
That's good. And you're you're starting a new sort of platform to share more. And so why don't you tell us about that? Because I want people to be able to find you and to find your ministry, especially if they need help in this area. Yes. If you would like to reach out to me, please do that. The easiest way would probably be through my website, jackmarino.com. And then it links to all of my social media or my email. And then Lord willing, I hope to make videos in the future just exposing the darkness and the lies and the occult and specifically in secret orders like the Golden Dawn and just things that I wish were out there when I was being deceived into all this. That's great. Well, and I want to give you uh, we, the questions are flooding in right now, people, and I can and I can see the heart behind so many of these questions that people have genuine questions about, you know, when you repent from being in the occult, what happens then, or how do I help people mm-hmm. in my life? So we're going to get to all these, and I love the questions that are coming in, but I do want to give you the opportunity to answer one sort of claim that I saw in the comment section several times. You mentioned in your story that you uh, met at a Masonic Lodge, and several people tried to discredit your story by saying, well, women can't be Masons. And so, or, or women, so why don't you go ahead and just answer that, and we'll put that to rest, and then we'll get to the questions. <laughs> that is very true. And I actually wanted to be a Freemason. I reached out um, to the Freemasons and they told me that I couldn't be one because I'm a woman and <clears throat> Freemasons are men. And that's why I ended up looking into other orders that are affiliated with Freemasonry, like the Eastern Star. Um, and they're a bunch. But the one that I ended up joining was the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which allows both men and women and was founded by Freemasons. And because so much of it is similar to Freemasonry and it was founded by Freemasons, we met in a Freemason lodge and used their ritual room. Okay. Gotcha. All right. You ready for for the first question here? This is from Sharon. And Sharon wants to know, my 14-year-old daughter and her friends are interested in Wicca. What would you say to young girls who may be into Dungeons and Dragons and thinking Satanism is about equal rights? Mm, that's hard, especially because this is so deeply in our culture today. You can go to Barnes and Noble and see spell books and it just seems so normal and alluring and it's in front of um, the next generation's faces. And so I think the most important thing that you can do is to raise your children up knowing the word of God, knowing the truth, so that when they see things that aren't the truth, they can know clearly that it's not because they have the truth to stand on. And it's so important. I think I don't have children of my own, but speaking to people in my life who do and who um, just gave me some advice is that it's so important to kind of start those conversations with your children about these things because they are right in front of them and to maybe biblically lay out why it's wrong, why God says these things are an abomination, that that is serious and that his way really is better. And maybe even asking them what it is specifically about Wicca that is so alluring and then pointing to scripture that says we're often lured away and enticed by our own lust. God isn't tempting us to these things, but what is that lust that's driving us to look into these things that God forbids us to do? Very good. And here's a question uh, from TJ. 
And this one says, do people in the occult truly believe that Satan is going to win in the end and that Jesus is really the enemy? I've heard this before, wondering if they actually think this. Um, it's so twisted, but I got to the point where I believed that Satan or more, I would have said Lucifer is actually the light bearer. He's shining light. And so when he gave the, this is so wrong, but that when he gave the, the fruit or told them to eat from the tree of the knowledge and good and evil, it was a good thing. He gave us knowledge and that, and so it's almost glorified that Satan is really the good guy. And then it totally flips and twists the truth, which is Satan came to lie, steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he does. He inverts the truth. And so that is what I believed. I don't think I thought it through to a logical end that there would be some sort of, that there would be a war in the end and that someone would have to win. I more thought that I was gaining the secret knowledge that Lucifer was giving and that he was actually the light bearer. He wasn't a bad guy. Um, I still personally tried to hold to that Jesus was more of a Christ consciousness. He was still a good avatar or a good ascended master, but Lucifer was also good. I think that they're different uh, offshoots that have slightly different beliefs in how they view Lucifer or Satan, depending on Luciferianism and Satanism. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's just a huge lie. Um, and that's what Satan does. He just loves making counterfeits or complete twistings of scripture and of the truth. This is from Mark. This question is, how much were you into numerology? I was not even in the New Age yet, and I fell into using letters and numbers to make a big deal uh, about things in my life. So what what role does mm -hmm. numerology play? Were you into that? Absolutely. It played a huge role in my life. Um, before I joined the order, when I was going through the demonic oppression and possibly probably possession because I was channeling and asking, I believe that these demonic entities that I at the time thought were aliens or my spirit guides wanted to enter my body. So I was really asking for this kind of thing. But during that time when I was so out of my mind in these in this deception, numbers were kind of how I viewed my reality. So when I'd see a number, it would kind of be the universe talking to me. Every number meant something different, or I would look it up, and um, that was just a huge part of my life, and it, I was controlled by it. And again, I think that's why it's so important to know who God is and know his word, because when I didn't have the truth to be led by, um, like the Bible says, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, on you I wait all the day. If I'd been led in God's truth, um, that would have been so much better than just being led by um, numbers and signs. And the enemy really uses, I believe, numbers and signs and different symbols to to lead you. But um, ultimately, it just leads you astray because um, it's rebellion against the truth. Here's an interesting one. Sorry, I muted myself for a second there. Here's an interesting <laughs> one. Um, I love this question. This is from Steph. And she wants to know, what is your view on D&D? &D? I assume she means Dungeons and Dragons. I love playing with my friends, but I love Jesus more. 
If it's opening a door, mm -hmm. I want to shut it. What do you think, Jack? So I personally have never played Dungeons and Dragons. I don't really know what it is. But if you're asking this question, I would say that might say a lot. Um, if you're feeling that conviction or that it, there's something off, when we are, are attracted to magic and kind of role-playing magical things, does that honor God? I pers Well, I think there is liberty, but is it wise? I don't necessarily think so. Um, and then it depends on what context you're doing it in, who you're with. It's just kind of, I don't know that much about it, but if you are thinking that it's not wise and it sounds like it has to do with magic and and playing playing magic, it's probably not the best use of your time and not the most honoring thing to God. Mm. Okay, this one's from Talia. We, I, told, I told you the questions are pouring in, so I love that we're getting <laughs> through a lot of these. Uh, Talia wants to know, were drugs a big part of the occult? Do you think these could be a gateway to demonic interaction? And I would love it. We we touched on this on the last podcast we did together, but I'm seeing such a rise in the use of uh, mushrooms, and this is something mm -hmm. that is really being promoted, and we talked a little bit about it, but, you know, what role did drugs play in the occult, maybe just with you personally, but also just in your community? What did that look like? And do you think that can be some kind of a spiritual gateway, um, maybe inviting some kind of a demonic interaction to, to happen? Yes, drugs were a huge part of my community and of my journey from more so cultural new ageism, the law of attraction and stuff like that into new age, into the occult, into deep in the occult. I was using drugs, especially getting into psychedelic drugs was played a big role in opening up my mind because ultimately the new age belief or worldview has so much to do with altering your state of consciousness to kind of ascend or awaken to a higher level of consciousness and raise your vibrations. And these drugs are ways to alter your state of consciousness and then you'll have experiences and then you'll kind of, or at least I wrote my worldview based on these experiences I'm having on drugs. When the Bible continuously calls us to be sober-minded, be vigilant, be watchful, and we aren't those things when we are under the influence of drugs. Um, and so I definitely <laughs> advise against not doing drugs, especially, well, and psychedelic drugs. You don't need to. If you're looking to do them for a spiritual experience, that's unwise because if the Lord does tells us again and again in scripture to have a sound mind, to not be drunk, um, to, not, to not be altered in that way, and then we do it, and then we have a spiritual experience thinking it's God. Why would that? Why would God use something that He exhorts us and and commands us really not to do? That's not where He would meet us. And that was something that was hard for me to accept in divination. I believed that God was speaking to me through tarot cards and through other ways. Did we lose Jack? Oh, we lost Jack. Sorry, guys. I can't answer all your occult questions. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm assuming she's going to call back. She must have lost her internet feed there. There she is. Can we hear you? Are you there? Can you? Yes. yes. All right. We are back in action. Yay. See, see, look at us. Look at us go. <laughs> 
Oh, the internet and the interwebs. All right. So we are back. Um, So Jack, oh man, so many, so many questions here. I just love this. People, this must be (laughs) such a topic that people are just really struggling to understand how to help their friends. So let's just keep going through some of these questions and we'll try to get through as many as we can. So this is a question from Daniel. Uh, Hi, Jack. How do I speak with my 18-year-old son who said he doesn't believe in God, but is wearing inverted crosses and pentagrams? Hmm. Well, I think, again, asking him what he does believe, trying to get an understanding of where your son's at in his spirituality, and then pointing him to the truth, which I can only imagine how hard that is, but just to get an understanding of really what he is believing then, or why he's wearing what he's wearing, or what is attracting him to wear that, and then pointing him to the truth in the scriptures. It's so important to know what God's word says, so that you can then um, point out why what he's doing is wrong. Yeah, so much of it just, it depends on, so much of it has to do with biblical literacy, just knowing what the Bible says and letting the Word of God get in there because it's sharper than any two-edged sword, like you mentioned. Mm. And I do think that's that's such a, a an important part of this uh, puzzle. Uh, this question is from Kina, and Kina wants to know, how would you deal with someone that firmly believes that aliens are real and are not demons simply based on the universe is too big? We can't be the only ones. I know aliens plays into uh, the occult, but, you know, I don't know if you make distinctions. Is that always the case or, you know, how would you comment on that question? That's, yes. Um, I know that in my experience, the experiences that I had with aliens were so clearly, well, I guess they weren't clearly demonic because I didn't, I believe that they were my friends. And I, I guess I did when I looked at the stars think that they must exist. Um, But now knowing, having read the Bible, having looked at Jesus as the one and only Savior of all of mankind, um, for those who believe, I just don't, I just don't think about that. And I don't believe that aliens exist. Yeah. Okay. So do you, do you think there could ever be like a, you know, like if they go to Mars and they find bacteria there you know there's some kind of life i mean is is it possible to make a distinction between what we sort of think about regarding aliens because i think we talked about this or i talked with stephen bancars i can't remember who it was um that you know i wonder if they're i don't know do you i I know you 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 say you don't believe they exist (laughs) do you think any sort of idea of them would be necessarily demonic or i mean i'm just curious you, you know how you'd answer that right I don't I don't necessarily think it would have to be, but I think that that would be a good way to deceive mm. us, um, saying that if just it just kind of takes us outside of a biblical worldview, it would be a really easy way to prepare us to think that, oh, if the aliens come, then they must be our God. And mm. I just think that there are so many ways that things can go awry when we start kind of writing our own story based on what if mm. aliens exist. Um, that's a that, so that's a really good point too about the what ifs because we can go to all kinds of bad places with the what ifs. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, uh, next one. Uh, this is from D. Right Life. Uh, do you make the fundamental distinction between reality as created versus uncreated, as opposed to singularity of being, which is the basis for New Age Hinduism, Buddhism, Wiccan, and I'll also add 
progressive Christianity because in progressive Christianity, there's also that sense of oneness uh, and the unity of all things through this sort of divine uh, spark that, uh, you know, incarnated, God incarnated himself into matter essentially when he created mm. the world. So do you make a, the fundamental distinction between reality as created versus uncreated or is it more of a singularity? Um, so I believe that God created created and we're definitely separate from God. Um, man is made in God's image, but that was a huge part of new age ideology was that we, if, if God is all and all is God, then we're God. And that's basically the point is to make you become like God. And then if you become like God, there is no real objective morality. There's no objective truth. It's just my truth, my reality and everything becomes subjective. So biblically, I definitely think there is a huge distinction. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if you've been following the news on this, but, and you know, maybe you don't want, you don't have to comment on this, but I'll just throw it out there because I know okay. this is just a huge thing people are saying. But uh, so people have accused Travis Scott of doing a satanic ritual at his Astroworld concert. Mm. Um, you know, of course, this is, if you're unfamiliar, anybody with this story, apparently, I didn't follow it really closely, but there was a concert and people were trampled essentially. And, uh, you know, we've seen stuff like this happen when uh, sort of that crowd dynamics, people going to get worked up and the crowd starts pushing and then the people in the back don't realize there's people getting hurt in the front and it just kind of gets this mob mentality thing going on. Uh, do you think it's possible uh, that that was the case? And do people in the occult do things so out in the open like that? Um, I don't want to say like if it's for sure the case or not, because I genuinely don't know. A lot of the imagery was very occult and satanic. Sometimes people just use that to get a rise out of people or because it's cool or edgy. Um, but there is also so much dark and there's so many things going on, especially um, just behind the scenes and in the darkness. There's just such a desire for power and control. And mm. people believe that human blood is powerful, especially in conducting magic. And that goes as far back as in the Bible. I'm so thankful that the Bible explains everything um, pertaining to life and godliness. But when I saw that, it was definitely disturbing. Definitely a lot of the imagery was familiar um, can I, I don't know for sure what it was, but it's just, I think so important to remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. And that there are powers at play that are, that are going on and there is an unseen realm and, um, there is a lot of dark stuff going on and it's gross and it's scary and it's sad, but we know who wins in the end. And we know that, um, that this won't last forever. And so ultimately I don't know what it was, but it, it wasn't, it was, there was a lot of symbolism, um, which is disturbing, but there's, there's just a lot of darkness going on. Yeah. Uh, this is a question that's interesting. And then I want to ask a follow-up myself, something that I've wondered. Okay. Uh, this is She's Moonlight wants to know, do you ever feel inclinations or drawn to occultic practices even after coming to Christ? I became a Christian when I was 15, but all my life I have felt drawn to it. And then her main question is, how do I cut off those ungodly desires? Mm. 
That's such a beautiful question. Um, Honestly, I do. And realizing, I think that something that was hard for me is the, I feel that same familiarity or just the lies of comfort, I guess. It just seems like a familiar thing that I'm pulled to, but just reading God's word and being reminded just that we are carried away and enticed by our own lust, just the reality of our flesh. Our flesh pulls us to to things that are ungodly and just remembering that those things that we're, we might have a bent towards or have a pull towards or struggle with um, just because they sound enticing and alluring to us personally doesn't mean that they're good. They are what God says they are and they do destroy us as I've experienced in my life and um, many, many people have. They The enemy makes a lot of promises. These things make a lot of promises of pleasure or joy or comfort or whatever, but ultimately they don't deliver and they destroy you and then the enemy accuses you and it's just so the way that I deal with it really is being in God's word, remembering who Jesus is, that I'm redeemed, that he's washed me clean in his blood, which is so amazing that mm. I am I have his righteousness accounted to me. And that is beautiful. Just remembering my standing um, because of Christ, in Christ, and just knowing that, that the sin and the flesh is real. And just because you still feel a type of way, a type of lust, a type of familiarity or whatever it is towards the darkness um, doesn't mean anything other than it's something for you to continue to deny yourself in. Mm. Yeah, I'm becoming more and more convinced the older I get in the Lord, the the more mature I get in my walk, that the the main point of spiritual warfare, the, the main nature of spiritual warfare is speaking truth into lies. It's bathing yourself in the truth. It's washing mm-hmm. yourself in the word of God. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of questions in the comment sections about being attacked and this and that. And I think sometimes we can get so distracted off of trying to figure out what the attack is. And I think that that's part of it. We, we need to say in the word, we need to continually be speaking truth, standing on that truth, just like you've just said, standing on the truth of what Jesus has done for us, trusting in God's sovereignty, and just continuing to walk through our sanctification. Um, I, th- I thought that was so beautifully put by you. And I mm-hmm. have a follow-up blank, uh, question sort of that's related to that. You know, and, and a lot of people I'm, I'm sure are curious about this as well. When you became a Christian, when you trusted in Jesus, and, and, you know, if my memory serves, when you were sharing your story, you cried out to Jesus, Jesus Christ, save me. And you went through a bit of a time of, you know, of course, you were an, you were addicted to drugs and alcohol, I believe. And so there was a time when you were sort of by, alone in your apartment and God was mm-hmm. working on you and, and doing things. Do you feel like when somebody uh, comes out of something like the occult or repents of something like that, is there something more that they need to do? Uh, is there another ministry they need to go find that needs to pray over them in a special way? Or how would you address that question? Um, I absolutely don't other than finding a good local church that you can be in the fellowship of the body of Christ, um, as we're called to, but when it comes to things like paying to have deliverance or other ministries, when we repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're saved and, um, and that's it. There's not, you don't, there's no more work that you need to do to get your salvation. It was never by our works. It's by grace through faith in Christ alone. And so when I was saved, um, 
yeah, it was hard. And I went through attacks and, and things like that that were hard. But the difference was now I knew the truth and I had a right relationship with God and I could cling to him. He spoke to me through his word. I got to speak to him in prayer and, and there's a relationship there. And so I think it's so important when you're saved to get yourself into a solid biblical local body of believers that can come alongside you. But um, that's not for your salvation. That's something that you do after you're saved, just in obedience, because that's what the Lord calls us to do. And it's for our, our good. But I don't think that there's nothing more and there's no works that you have to do to be saved um, after salvation yeah. or even in salvation. Yeah. Okay. This is coming from uh, Sushi. And the question is, what's the difference between real demonic oppression slash presence as opposed to our own human fears and sin. I often see mm. people blame demons for their own human doubt, sorrow, and sin. Hmm. The difference. Um, sometimes or maybe I how would you discern the difference, I guess, would be the question. How would right. you discern that? That's hard. I think that I can only speak really from my experience and from God's word and the demonic experiences that I had were just the the kind of doubt that I was experiencing was so it seemed like outside of me um, and just extreme terror and just things that seemed so out of my control and just awarenesses of presences and ultimately just getting into my head the idea that Jesus is not Lord and that there are other ways and just deceit and lies. Um, I think it's so important to test the spirits um, and and that's something that I wish I had done when I believed I had spirit guides or just signs from the universe just to know, to test the spirits. And um, I, I do think we can have our own doubts or we can sin and then blame that on the devil. But I, there's a difference between being demonically oppressed and you'll probably know that difference. But especially being in God's word when you're being convicted of sin but ultimately, I, I'd love to say even even when you're spiritually attacked, some sometimes I still have spiritual attacks. But God is so good because now just knowing who I am in Christ, um, even when I was first saved and I was spiritually attacked, there's such a difference. Um, there was such a difference between before I was saved because I, I had the Holy Spirit. I didn't really know how to articulate that, but I worded it as that I had peace and a joy and a comfort that wasn't my own. And so just in those times, remembering the truth, remembering God's sovereignty, meaning he's in control of all things and nothing can happen to you that's outside of his control or outside of his hand. So when I'm going through scary things, anything, whether it is my own sin or my own doubt or something that I would think would be more demonic oppression, remembering that God is truly God and he's over everything and he's in control of everything and I can trust him. And then I think sometimes in coming out of the occult, I can, or I used to feel, and sometimes that lie can come back that I just feel so weird mm. that I don't want to talk to anyone about the spiritual warfare that I'm experiencing. But spiritual warfare is real and it's discussed 
in the Bible. And so it was just such a joy and a wonderful thing to me when I did open up to my pastors or brothers and sisters in Christ. And instead of looking at me like I'm crazy, they they know scripture. And so they point me to scripture and pray for me and encourage me to listen to worship music and be in the word. And just knowing that I have a body of believers around me who love me and are able to give me just a biblical truth to what I'm experiencing, that was so kind of God to do. Mm. Um, and so if you are experiencing spiritual warfare, I would encourage you to talk to a pastor who knows God's word because this isn't a foreign thing to God's word at all. It's it's the truth that this stuff happens, um, but to have a biblical understanding of what's going on instead of trying to piece together your own understanding um, in your doubt. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could zero in a little bit more on spiritual warfare. What does that look like for a Christian? If you if you think you're under attack, if you even sense there's some sort of uh, demonic backing to it, what what is the what is it? You know, what is spiritual warfare? What would you say primarily you're doing when you're doing spiritual warfare? Um, well, God's word tells us to put on the armor of God, and that's so encouraging to me. Even just faith and the helmet of salvation and being in the word, the, the sword, which is the word of God, just being armored up for the battle. Because sometimes I think I can try to make it this weird thing that that is, I don't know, just kind of outside of reality. But when I see in God's word that we have instructions on how to fight this battle and, and they're clear things and just suiting up with the armor of God and all those things are things that the Lord has given us that it's just so beautiful. And it reminds me that my job is to depend on the Lord um, and trust in him and remember who he is. Um, and that's just a wonderful thing because mm. he is awesome and he's in control of everything and I can trust him and I can run to him and he's a good God. And I even find that sometimes when um, things are, you know, I'm feeling shaken a little bit when I'm feeling like I'm going through some of that. Uh, just knowing that God is sovereign is brings me so much mm-hmm. comfort because I know he's using it. He's using all of that to refine me, to mature me, to make me more steady on my feet, to make me more reliant on him. And right. um, I think so often in Christian culture, we're, we've got this escape mentality. Like we want to escape all the sufferings. We want to escape the attacks. We want to escape all this. But Ultimately, I mean, I think this is why James says, consider it pure joy when Mm. you encounter trials of many kinds. You know this is the perfecting of your patience. This is God working in you. And um, there's there's not really an easy way around that. It's just there's a way through it. But we have to be, like you said, we have to be armored up. We have to have the sword of the spirit. We have to know the word of God. And that Mm. is such an important point there. Jack, I remember from your previous interview with me, there was a moment where you sort of expressed maybe even a little bit of fear. Just for a second, it came over you because you had taken a vow of secrecy when you were a part of this um, this order. And uh, and then, you you know, you quickly went to that sword and you you sp- spoke the word. You, were, you said, you know, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And uh, one uh, Becky, before we went on the air in the little comment box, she wrote this question. And I thought it was an interesting question. She, she mentioned that moment where, where that happened with you. She said that you hesitated and uh, you commented on being sworn to secrecy. 
And Becky says, I'm curious, can you elaborate on that? What happens if you tell, um, or, you know, what do they say is going to happen if you tell, and what are you not allowed to talk about according to, to the, the order? Mm -hmm. Um, so being sworn to secrecy, I think is just a manipulation tactic. Um, it, but it has to do with the idea of hermetics and of these secret ancient mystery schools that this is secret knowledge that you've gotten to this level that you're kind of in and that you get the secret knowledge that's been hidden for the ages, like a tight seal over it. Um, and that's so important that you that you keep it secret because of its power. And so when I was originally initiated, you, I don't remember the exact wording, but just swearing that I won't tell or else I give the powers or the spirits of darkness, the, um, the control or the ability to do what they will with me because of that. Mm. Um, and so I think because of the, the heaviness of the ritual and the seriousness of, of how it is that for a while things are so much heavier or I think they can seem so much scarier when, when they're hidden in us, when they're not confessed or brought out to the light. Um, and then they just fester. And so being afraid to talk about it because believing that these spirits had power over me or fearing what they would do, or the people in it, or just anything, remembering that I'm saved, I'm Christ's, and those spirits have no power over me unless God allows them. Um, I'm just so comforted by Job mm. in the Bible and just that Satan needs permission to even mess with Job. And that's that's a comfort to me, knowing the power of my God and mm. who he is, having an understanding of that. And so um, I do think because of the big weight they put on the secrecy of it and the power of it and that you know all these secrets that you could never tell or else you'd be betraying and you would be spiritually betraying. Um, for so long, I didn't want to talk about it. And I also was afraid that talking about the darkness would be a bad thing. And so again, I'm so glad that in God's word, it talks about um, exposing the unfruitful deeds of darkness or works of darkness. Mm -hmm. And it's important to bring those things to light because ultimately they will all be brought to light. So it's just, again, going back to God's sovereignty, it's a comfort to know that God is actually in control of all of that. And so if I'm in him, I, I, I trust him. And that's a that's a good thing. In an odd way, I, I think maybe even church people can relate with this. I just did two uh, mm -hmm. episodes on the na on spiritual abuse and uh, a spiritual abuse story that I walked through with my good friend TC. And it's interesting even hearing you describe how you don't want to talk about it because you feel like you're going to betray someone. It actually mm -hmm. took us, it took me a long time before I felt like I even could talk about it. Um, and so in a s odd way, I kind of relate with that sort of like I never took a vow of secrecy or people probably in, a, in those types of environments haven't actually taken a vow, but it sort of works the same way in a sense, which is really interesting. Uh, here's an interesting question here from the Rory. Uh, what are your thoughts on spells and or curses? Do you think they have any effect on Christians? So if somebody's cursing a Christian from some kind of satanic order, is that going to have any effect on that Christian? Um, I think it's important again to be in prayer and to 
be in the word and all that and be following God. But I, I think it again goes back to God's sovereignty. That's some things I've thought about. Like there's sometimes and I think, are are there people in my past who did practice magic who aren't happy with me? Are they doing things um, to try to affect me, which I used to believe a lot in the past before I was saved and felt like they were. But since being saved, especially as growing in the Lord, um, even if they are, uh, just again, knowing nothing happens to me outside of God's control. So, and to your point, the the testing of our faith um, and going through trials, considering it joy, it's knowing that my God is good and anything he allows in my life um, is for my good and for his glory. I'm not too concerned about what people in the darkness are trying to mm. do to affect me. I do think it's important to be vigilant and watchful in prayer and just to be um, to do those things that we're called to do, but it's not necessarily because I'm afraid of what other people might be doing to me. It's just to be strong in the Lord. That's good. So Beth wants to know, how can we effectively reach someone involved in the New Age? I have a family member who is a Christian and recently got involved with a New Ager. Mm. Well, I think because New Age is such a giant scope and it kind of takes in so many different beliefs and worldviews, it's important to get an understanding of where they're at and what they believe and especially what they believe about Jesus because again i thought i was a christian when i was in the new age and i thought that i believed in jesus and so i might have said a lot of the same words as a christian but my definitions were entirely different mm. so getting a real understanding of what it is exactly they believe how they would describe the gospel or if they believe in the gospel how they would describe salvation um things that matter and then ultimately just in love and gently pointing them to the true gospel and the true Jesus, which is the only Jesus that can save because um, these, the new age, the occult, really whatever deception someone's in, ultimately it, it leads, it doesn't lead to peace or salvation or joy. So um, they need a savior. They need the true Jesus. And so the most loving thing you can do is share the truth with them um, no matter what, lies they're believing. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that was so powerful about your story is, um, I forget who it was in your life, but they told you at a certain point that if you didn't repent, you would die in your sins. I mean, right. like, how many of us are walking around doing stuff like that these days, right? I mean, we want to be persuasive and we want to be winsome. And there's, I think there's so much wisdom uh, in how we share things with people. But ultimately, mm -hmm. we have to speak the truth. We have to tell people. And I think, too, especially with the nature of people who are in New Age and occult and they're drawn to that kind of power and things. I mean, just saying mm -hmm. it sometimes can just be the most effective thing, because you even said you, you kind of hated him when he said it, but it was like you, you couldn't get that out of your mind. It's just mm -hmm. that those words. And and so that's a powerful point there. there there's an interesting question here. I'm kind of curious about this from Human Man. So thanks, Human Man, for this question. Is there a connection between the occult and the LGBT movement? Hmm. I haven't seen one necessarily, but I think it again comes down to when you stray from the truth, then it's easier to just kind of 
take a lot of lies or deception. Ultimately, both are rebellion um, to God. And so in a way, I guess, and I think because occultism, new age beliefs, and the LBGTQ plus agenda is so big in our culture and kind of being pushed in a lot of ways, they can go together in that way. But, and um, kind of, because uh, the Satanism picture of Baphomet, a lot of the time is two gender, like a transgender, mm. um, portrayed as a transgender being, not a really human, but um, just, it's just so twisted. And so, yes, in the way that it's twisted, um, it goes against God's design in both ways. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's a question that I think is for me, and this is from Darren. Uh, have you ever been guilty of promoting a mosh pit at a Zoe girl concert? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> as many of you may know, or some of you may not know, I have a history of being in a Christian pop group back in the day called Zoe girl. Um, we were a teen pop group, so there weren't a lot of mosh pits. In fact, I can't even remember <laughs> there ever being a mosh pit except the few times we did festivals and there would be, you know, in a, in a summer festival you'd have, and I realize that this is a lighthearted question, so I'm just, you know, lightening the mood here, <laughs> but um, you would have like all these different artists performing in a day. And so often we were just right in the middle of the afternoon, like when the crowd was really there to see somebody like Reliant K or Toby Mac or uh, the Newsboys or somebody like that. And so, you know, they, they would sort of be angry and moshy, but not because they were enjoying our music as we because they really wanted us to finish up so they could get to, to Reliant K. So, um, yeah, I can't say I promoted uh, a mosh pit except unintentionally by being not the kind of music that people came to see. So that, <laughs> that would be my question. Okay, uh, let's see here. Let me try to find another good um, question. Okay, here's one. So this is from Jennifer. What would you say to another Christian that utilizes the Enneagram? From what I've read and videos I've watched, the origins are from the occult, but it seems Christians are embracing it for spiritual formation and personal growth. So any thoughts on the Enneagram there, Jack? Yes. I, When I first saw the Enneagram, I was thinking about how it looked very familiar in terms of just the the design of it um, in terms of occult familiar. And so I was curious, and I still have some of my uh, literature that I was given when I was in the Golden Dawn, and the Enneagram is actually in that old occult literature. It doesn't have the personality traits, but it's used as like a magical tool. And so it definitely has occult um, ties and mm -hmm. probably beginnings. My question would be, why are you using the Enneagram? Um, why are you looking to a personality test, especially one that has occult ties, to get an understanding of who you are when genuinely the only thing you need to look at to get an understanding of who you are is the Bible, is God's word? Um, and so I, I don't think that it's wise personally to use the Enneagram at all. Um, and just m multiple things with its beginnings from the people who propagated it that are not reliable to its beginnings are just a lot, a lot of red flags. 
Yeah, and if anybody's curious, I have a, a whole episode on the Enneagram that I recorded with Marcia Montenegro, who also came out of the New Age and uh, and I think some of the occult as well. And we talked about that for about an hour. I've actually received quite a bit of feedback from that episode of people uh, really, really changing their minds. You know, it doesn't happen mm-hmm. very often. Sometimes when we're talking about aberrant movements and things, you, you're kind of sometimes preaching to the choir a bit. But I got a lot of feedback on that episode that it really caused people to change their minds about the Enneagram. So if there's somebody in your life who's really into it, or if you're kind of into it and you want to know really what it's all about, check that out. Um, I think the word Trojan horse is in the title and it's with mm. Marsha Montenegro. So people can go back and, and look at that. Um, so Jack, uh, here's a question. If you suspect someone you know might be demonically influenced, would you pray and fast or do you think there's more that you can do? If And when I've been around someone who I think is demonically influenced, the most important thing I think I can do, well, praying and fasting is important and it's in the Bible, but I think the most important thing to do is, again, to share the gospel with them um, because if if they're possessed, I don't believe that they can be indwelled with the Holy Spirit, so they aren't Mm -hmm. saved. And they need the gospel. They need to know the true Christ because ultimately that's all that matters in life is do you know who Jesus is? Do you know the truth? You need a savior. Your sin is going to destroy you. The wages of sin is death and the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And you need to know who Jesus is and repent of your sin and believe in him. And that is, I think, the most important thing, the most loving thing you can do with someone who's demonically possessed or anything else that doesn't know the Lord. And then um, if you're not with them, yes, pray for them. Pray that they would be delivered. Pray that the Lord would send someone to share the gospel with them. Ultimately, that the Lord would regenerate them, that their eyes and ears would be open to the truth of God's word and that they would turn um, and, and put their faith in him. But I was a whole mess when um, I was saved and all that I needed was genuinely um for the Lord to open my eyes and ears to hear his word, these things I'd read before, but the Lord um, brought me alive when I was dead in my sin and he saved me out of it. And it was because of the faithfulness of people sharing things with me or me hearing the gospel preached and coming to faith in Jesus Christ that delivered me from that oppression or possession and from that darkness. So, um, yeah. yeah. When I when I lived in New York City for a little while, I the area that I was living in was um, an area that was about I think that the numbers back then was about ninety eight percent of this sort of voodoo that was practiced. It, it was mm-hmm. uh, called Santeria, and it was sort of a mix of Catholicism and voodoo. And I mm-hmm. encountered demon possessed people. And, um, but I'm curious to know, like, people might be wondering, how would you even know if somebody is demon possessed or how, how would, what would that look like? Um, how would you recognize that? Well, I think that there are a lot of ways, but honestly, for me, there's, because it's so familiar to me, the demonicness, um, I can just, it's something that I can recognize because I've seen it in myself. Um, but a lot of the time people are just out of their mind. They hate Jesus. Um, the other day I was praying with a woman who I believe was um, possessed. And when we were talking, she meant to say, I love you, Jesus. But she was like erratically talking and she kept accidentally saying, I love you, Satan. Mm. And um, just not 
again, when it coming, coming down to testing the spirits, like not being able to really truly confess Jesus as Lord and um, just kind of an out of their mindness about them. Here's a question from Monica. Do you believe there's a sense of arrogance or pride when people delve into the occult, as in they enjoy the sense of power that having supernatural experiences gives them? Absolutely. Um, that was a huge draw for me. I was extremely prideful, and that was really hard for me to give up. When I shared my testimony, I shared that I had read that you can tell a tree by its fruit. I knew that the fruit of this order was bad or that Satan masquerades himself as an angel of light and that it was Satan behind this order. And these things were being revealed to me, but I was too prideful to turn. I had mm. so much pride that I had the secret knowledge that I didn't want to turn even when it, the ugliness of it was in my face. And pride comes before the fall. It's so alluring to have pride and be puffed up in it and think you're better than other people or more ascended or more awakened. Um, and that's what the new age and the occult beliefs ultimately are. So pride is a huge thing in it and it's sad, but it's true. And it can be a big reason why people stay in it because if you think that you're above people, then it's it's hard to to come out of that. Jesus Christ is Lord wants to know, did members attack you after you left? Did you have any kind of specific interactions from, from the people that you had formerly been in community with in this uh, order? I did not. And that was something that was hard because I love the people that were in this order with me um, and they love me in like a worldly way as much as they could. And so I... And that made it hard again to to leave and to expose the lies that are taught in that order. Um, they did come after me in terms of saying, you know, when are you coming back? Are you coming back? And kind of just not accepting me leaving, saying that I needed to finish the great work and I had a high calling and things like that um, to finish. Um, and then other people would say, you know, I really don't appreciate you talking about the order why would you share that you know it's it's a secret you can't do that those things are more being hurt or offended that i would talk about this but this was when i very very not in detail at all years ago spoke out about it a little bit and now the comments have just been strange they definitely are saying things, but they aren't outwardly threatening my life or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, here's an interesting question from Joel. Uh, one of my high school students told me he she was trying to manifest a boy into her life by writing in her mm -hmm. journal, it is not prayer. Are you familiar with this practice? How seriously should I take it? Yes, I am, and I would take it very seriously. Manifesting is so popular now, but I think that it's just watered down witchcraft ultimately. It's it's watered down the law of attraction, which is watered down new age, which is basically a cult um, the farther you go. And so manifesting is just – it is the law of attraction. It's a way to kind of create your own reality, bring what you want into existence, and it was a huge gateway for me into – the new age and then into the occult, actually trying to manifest 
things like relationships and sometimes having that work. And then it just leads into ultimately when you're practicing real ritual magic, the whole point is to manifest things through similar things like spell work, which is basically um, almost at its core the way that the new age teaches you to just write out, you know, I have a wonderful boyfriend and just trying to manifest it. Spell work is very similar. And so I think it is very dangerous and something to be concerned about. I think that it's so important to first and foremost, know the word of God and then be aware of what is being taught and what is so prevalent in culture like manifesting and aliens and astrology, be aware of where those things, where their end is and what they actually are coming from and just being watered down to seem okay, what their actual um, tie is to. Because even though I ultimately got to something that seemed so much darker, these things were basically the same exact thing, just watered down. And it can be really tricky, too, because I remember when I was pregnant with my son, of course, I was in deconstruction at the time, so I was a bit Mm -hmm. confused. But I remember a birth instructor telling me to visualize the baby turning head down because he was turned um, and he wasn't in the right position to, to be born. And I remember laying in my bed and like closing my eyes and just picturing him moving and, and thinking, you know, I didn't realize it was new age. I didn't realize that it was, um, not something I should have been doing, but I, I kind of thought, you know, if I, if I think about it hard enough, I can make him move and get into the right birthing position. And I realize now looking back on it, like that, that's nothing more than what you're talking about with the manifesting things. And um, a great resource for people on this is Melissa Doherty. Go to her YouTube channel. She's got several videos on these types of ideas. Uh, Part of her story, even meeting Jehovah's Witnesses, she thought she had manifested them at her door. And so uh, that's a big theme in the new age. So check out Melissa Doherty for that. And Jack, there's a related question here from uh, Devoted Publishing. Some of these names are funny because they're not actual people names. Um, but this is sort of related to that manifesting, uh, but as it relates to the church. So this question is, does it concern you about certain kinds of occultic practice making its way into Christian life, such as smudging, oil protections, manifesting, etc.? Yes, it absolutely does concern me. And it was really shocking to me when I did become a Christian and started becoming aware of things happening in the church. And just how new age or occult they are, that they are not, they're things that God does not want us to do. Um, and like, so for example, smudging, w- when we ask ourselves, why why are we doing that? Where does this come from? What is the purpose? We're clearing negative energies. What what does that have to do with anything in the, in the truth, in the Christian worldview? Or... Um, things like that, even though they seem mellow or it's just drawing from new age and trying to make it, bring it into the church. And it doesn't have any place in the church. It's, it has nothing to do with Christianity biblically. Uh, Here's a question, uh, sweet question. Interesting. Did you see signs of God's love for you while you were practicing your occult beliefs? Yes, I did. And he was so kind throughout it. Ultimately, it's a story of my rebellion and God's amazing kindness throughout my entire life. Um, But 
Yeah. When I was in the order, when I was practicing, I would just have random things happen where I'd be driving and a sermon would come on and it would just be, it would just hit me so hard that this is the truth or just being in the order and um, having some things happen where I thought I was having visions of Jesus. So I thought I was getting actually closer to Jesus, but it was totally unbiblical. And so I was basically creating my own Jesus, but a huge kindness of God in my life was giving me no peace about it, Mm. giving me this, this just deep down feeling of what I'm doing is wrong and never completely searing my conscience or completely giving me over um, to what I was in. That was a huge kindness of God, genuinely my unhappiness and the pain that I went through because um, because it continued to remind me that this is not the answer, this is not the way. And that was amazingly kind of him because ultimately it finally um, broke my pride brought me to a place before him where I had a broken and contrite spirit and genuinely um, knew I needed him as my savior. Mm. So let's talk about Hollywood, because Hollywood has a lot of depictions of the occult. And so this question is from KD. Uh, Hollywood seems to be deeply influenced by the occult. What do they get wrong or right or exaggerate in their depictions of the occult? Hmm. Well, yeah, they a lot of it is just I don't know if I would word it as almost empty. It it seems like uh, well then again, it's this is not the best question for me to answer because I don't watch a lot of movies or TV shows and especially I don't watch scary ones or ones that would likely have that, but just talking about symbolism in Hollywood um and the hand signs that people make and Billie Eilish, for example, things like that. Mm. Um, I think that it's very spot on, um, disturbingly spot on. And sometimes it's more watered down or it it just looks trendy or it seems like it's so out in the open that it couldn't possibly be real. But I think that sometimes that's, that's a way to trick you is that if it's so out in the open, it couldn't actually be mm. real. But these these things are out in the open. Um, and so I think in a lot of ways it is real. I do think again, that people do use it just as a way to get, to, to get, I don't know if clout is the right word, but to get mm-hmm. higher up or something. But yeah. I think that there is a lot of witchcraft going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, here's a very interesting question that I think probably a lot of people are wondering. Um, can believers be forgiven for dabbling in the occult for a season, or does that mean they weren't saved to begin with? That's an interesting question. Like what happens when someone is a believer in Jesus and might be drawn into it or tempted by it or dabble in it a little bit, maybe even unknowingly? Hmm. Well, as believers, we do still sin um, until we go to glory. And So I think it has to do with, are you continuing in continual habitual sin? Are you continually habitually in the occult and practicing these things and not repenting and turning from them? Or is it, or did you sin? Are you aware that what you did was wrong and, or you weren't aware and now you're aware and now you want to be right with God. You want to honor him and keep his commandments and love him. So you turn from it and you repent of it. Um, so I think it would more show in 
in how how you're doing that and if you're turning and what the circumstances are. Um, but I do think it's important to look at that more so than if you accidentally did an occult thing, then you're not saved. Or if you did an occult thing and then you, you were convicted of that sin and turned from it and turned to God, um, I don't think that means that you're unsaved at all. Yeah, that's good. Uh, well, man, Jack, you, you have been such a trooper. Um, I, we have really put you through the Spanish Inquisition tonight, right? We've been to like, this has been like an inquisition, but you've been such a good sport to answer so many questions. So we'll just take maybe a couple more with the time that we have left. But I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you, uh, just, man, just really taking all of these really difficult. A lot of these have been really difficult questions. Um, so let's end with a couple more here. This is from a shooter down under. Uh, question. One thing that I've noticed is that the occult and new age can ultimately destroy relationships. How did it affect your personal relationships? Yes. Well, my personal relationships before I was saved were terrible. Um, I have very few of them now. The Lord was so kind to redeem many of them, but a lot of them, um, Ultimately, I was just so prideful, so selfish, so self-centered. The idea of self-denial or when I read when I was saved about considering others as more important than yourself, that was absolutely foreign to me um, before I was saved. And because of that, my personal relationships were just totally not good and unhealthy. So I, I think it comes out of not having a biblical understanding of what love is of who God calls us to be and how he calls us to love each other. Um, when, when I was living in the world and in the occult and in the new age, I lived to serve myself and that definitely destroyed relationships. Mm. This is interesting. Um, Lindsay wants to know, my friends had listened to your interview. So I, I'm assuming they mean the podcast we did together where you shared your story and they were left with confusion about their knowledge of the Masons. Their fathers and grandfathers were Masons and they could not understand how they could be a part of uh, that in any way as they were professing Christians. So mm. she wants to know, are there differing Masonic groups or are they all related to the occult? Well, so again, I was in the Freemason but reading about there, I'll have to look up the resource, but some, I think it's called something about Christians coming out of Freemasonry or ex-Mason Christians or something, um, explaining more of why basically it's idolatry, why um, it's not a Christian organization at all. But what I can speak on is that we use their ritual room and our my order was started by Freemasons who took who took a lot from Freemasonry to to make this order and that we use their ritual room. And so a lot of the secret rituals that they're doing are at least related and to what I was doing. So I think that's deeply concerning. I think the swearing to secrecy is concerning. Um, and I think that there there's just a lot that goes on in it. And so I do think that there are, I'm sure that there are some people in it who aren't that high up or just genuinely don't know what goes on or what the true beliefs are. But even just the belief that everyone there just has to believe in a higher power, you can be any religion, just at the very base level, you can read that um, just online trying to find out if you can be a Freemason. That 
that goes against what we as Christians believe, which is that there's Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, that there's one way to God, there's only one Savior, and it's Jesus Christ. And so just even at the base level, um, being in an organization that that is religious in a way and is against that, um, it's just not a it's not a Christian organization. And then going deeper into it about what happens and what they really believe when you get higher up, um, that is a whole other thing. A related question I have, because I've heard this, I have not confirmed this, so maybe you know, uh, but I've heard it a couple, and somebody asked this question too, but I can't find it in thing, but uh, is it true that C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were members of the uh, your, your order, uh, the Order of the Golden Dawn, I think it's called? Have you heard that? Is that true? I have not heard that. I would be interested to look into it, um, but no, I, I haven't heard th- that. I okay. heard that in a comment on the on the video, but I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. Okay. But well, then again, it be interesting. Yeah. So. Okay. I would well, like that's, that it. would be surprising. That would be surprising mm-hmm. if it were true. I think I remember when I first heard that I did a very not deep dive, but just a shallow Google and couldn't find a resource on it. But okay. um, that would be interesting to look into, and that would be surprising certainly. Uh, but. Uh, uh, here's a question from Natalie. In my Christian circle, we use oil on doorways to bless rooms and such. Is that actually witchcraft? Um, it depends. Well, I would ask where you're getting that from biblically. Do you have a biblical reason? Is there something you're looking to that that's telling you to do that? Or where are you getting this from? Um we would do similar things in witchcraft or in the occult order, but yeah, I would ask, what is your intent behind doing that? What are you, what do you think that you're doing in, in that? Are you keeping spirits away or, or what is the, what is the point? And then ask yourself, like, is that, is that biblical what you're doing or are you pulling that from a different religion? Mm. Yeah, because I know in some streams of Christianity, they, they will anoint like doorposts with oil, but um, I've not seen any biblical basis for that. I've not seen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when the Bible talks about anointing with oil, it's not talking about doors and rooms and things. And so, um, yeah, sometimes right. I think there can be some things that just get sort of pulled out and you think they're biblical because you've just always done it or you're used to doing it in your stream, but it might not actually be based in a biblical mandate or a biblical precedent. So uh, definitely right. check that out and, and into that. Uh, mm. I think we'll end with this question, Jack, um, because I what I see in a lot of the questions is this theme of almost like fear of maybe people have come out of the occult or repented from the occult. And there's this fear that some of it will come back or they're tempted to go back into it mm-hmm. or they're afraid of being attacked and, and just kind of that theme of questions. And I think this might be a good one to end on because you can leave us with some encouragement. You can leave us with some hope about all of this, which I, I think your whole testimony does that. I think it leaves us with so much stability and hope in um, God's sovereignty and his power over all of these things. But here's the specific question, and I'll ask you this question, and then I'll ask you to just close us out with some general thoughts that you would want to communicate to people who uh, have have had some just amazing questions tonight, guys, by the way, just amazing questions. So this is from GM. 
And the question is, after escaping the occult, I'm still healing from PTSD. Did you have the same issue? It's hard for me to see a necklace innocently swinging through a body moving after watching the pendulum. So, Jack, I'll, I'll leave you uh, to close us out with, um, you know, how can we minister to ourselves and others when we're, mm. you know, have PTSD even from some of these past experiences, maybe even overreactions to things? Mm. Um, leave us with some a good word tonight. Well, I think when you talked about the fear of, of being pulled back in or not being or being unsaved, that was something that I, when I was first saved, was afraid of the darkness just seems so close still or it was so close in terms of time that i was so afraid of being sucked back into that but now just having a deeper biblical understanding that once we're saved if we're truly saved like we're saved um, because it's the lord that holds us we aren't holding ourselves so it's not like we're tight gripping god um, he holds us in salvation when if we believe the gospel if we believe the truth if we believe that jesus died for our sins um, was raised on the third day, and we believe in him as our Lord and Savior. We repent of our sins, turn from it, change our mind, believe that what God says about our rebellion is right, that we've been wrong, and put our trust in him as our salvation, not in our good works, um, then we're saved. And so just knowing that I'm saved, the Lord has me, um, it is my responsibility in obedience and in love to follow the Lord and to be in his word and to um, not give in to my sin and the flesh or the enemy and be and and just walk in sin. Um, but when it comes to genuine healing and genuine pain from being in that, that's something I definitely experienced. I had genuine PTSD. Um, but that's something that the Lord will heal you in, and He's so kind, and He'll um, use it for your good. And just trusting again, just using even the pain as um, a joyful way to trust in the Lord, um, put your dependence on him, rely on him, be in his word, be in prayer, and just cultivate that relationship with him because he loves you and he is so kind and wonderful. And I've just seen that so much in my life, his goodness and his kindness, and especially in the hardest times in my life. Like for example, when I got sober, that was really painful, really hard. It wasn't just suddenly gone. But in that time, pressing into the word, pressing in the Lord in prayer, I just got to experience his kindness and his goodness and his closeness. And then now, um, about five years later after that time, just seeing how faithful God has been to sanctify me, um, mm. to make me more holy and knowing that it's his spirit doing the work in me this is something i could have never done on my own in my own strength so just knowing it's not it's not up to me um to just hold so tight and try to make everything okay but getting to practice dependence on the lord and he is so good and he is so faithful and he will never leave you or forsake you he is a kind god and that is that is just such an encouragement to me that and his sovereignty and his amazing love and knowing that I know the true Jesus and that's a truth I would die for. Mm. He is amazing and wonderful and he's everything I could ever need. And since all these things, all this world, everything around us is going to be dissolved, what sort of people ought we to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Ultimately, Jesus is all that matters. Eternity is all that matters. This life is a vapor. 
Um, so I just encourage you cling to Christ and get to know who he is more because he is wonderful and we get to have eternity with him. And that is going to be just amazing. Mm. Jack, tell everybody again where they can connect with you and mention, you know, you're going to start making some videos. Where can people find all of that information? The best way to reach me would be to go to jackmarino.com and there you can email me or just uh, message me on my social media. I would love to make videos in the future, Lord willing, just exposing um, the lies that I was taught or the secrets that I was taught in the order or in the occult, just bringing them to light and comparing them with the truth of scripture and why why they're untrue. Um, and then also I go to a really wonderful church, Redeemer Bible Church, and you can find them on YouTube. The sermons there have been just so helpful to me and their resources are really, really encouraging to me every day. <laughs> well, I want to thank my guest, Jack Marino, for joining me for this Q&A. You all asked some really good questions. This was yes. fun. I really appreciate it. And so definitely check out Jack's ministry and her work. And, you know, Jack, uh, if you need any YouTube tips, I can help you out. So just, you know, email me. I can help you get set up because we need those videos. Uh, we, I'm excited about seeing you make some videos for that. So anyway, thank you, Jack, for that. For all of you watching, we've got some amazing podcasts coming up. Uh, we've got one more this year. After this one, there'll be one more, and it's going to be with Ethan Nicole from the Babylon Bee. He's going to be talking about G.K. Chesterton and how G.K. Chesterton's work actually helped lead him out of a time of doubt. And, uh, and I'm a huge G.K. Chesterton fan, so it was really fun to sit down and talk with him. I can't wait to share that with you. And then after the new year. We've got Lee Strobel. We've got another episode with J.R. Miller about the historical Adam and Eve. Got some really fun stuff coming up, so don't miss that. Don't miss it by subscribing and then click that bell icon to be notified every time we release a new video. If you're listening on audio platforms like Google, iTunes, Spotify, leaving a five-star review is so helpful. And not because I just want to see good reviews, but because it actually signals those companies that, hey, people like this and we're going to suggest it to more people. So it helps with those algorithms. Thank you guys so much for joining us and for asking such great questions. Thanks to Jack, my guest, for giving us such great answers. And thanks for all of that. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.